Welcome to the Horizon Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our mission as a church is to win people to Jesus Christ, disciple people in Jesus Christ, and send people for Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. We hope this episode encourages you in your walk with Jesus as you continue to grow in His love and truth. Now, let's join Pastor Bob as we study God's Word together. You got your Bibles open? Anyone need one? Everybody good? Coffee? Can I get you anything? Are you ready for Christmas? How many did all your shopping online this year? <laughs> I know. Merry Amazon Christmas. I'm not really sure about this men and women thing um, being equal. I don't think we are. Because when it comes to wrapping the Christmas presents, guys, they've got us beat, hands down. I mean, I can make it look good on top, but you get to the sides. There's either not enough, which isn't a problem. You just slap a little more wrapping on there. Right? Are you with me? And tape. Hallelujah. Glory to God for tape. Right? Or there's too much. And I'm like swimming it. I think um, gals got us beat on this. I think gals are more into the wrapping and the guys more into the unwrapping. But that's a different topic. So let's get to God's word. Part 2, Emmanuel, Luke chapter 1. Hey, starting tomorrow night, Monday, the planets are converging into what they're calling the Bethlehem Star. Hasn't happened since 1226. Uh, I'd encourage you not to miss it. I think it's an incredible indication and sign as if we need another one. Should like be swimming in signs right now. There should be everything that you could possibly look at pointing to the Lord God Most High desiring to get your undivided attention. And if these planets don't do it, I mean, it's going to be absolutely amazing to see them converge into this glorious reminder from the sky itself as to the declaration and fulfillment of Scripture and promise where uh, the Christmas star is concerned. But I think signs are all around us. And let me just say this. I don't think that there's a better time. Here's a sign. A sign in the very fact that you've gotten up driven over and they're here today. Because there's like a lot of excuses, some of them valid, some of them lame, while you would have missed this morning, but here's the sign, you're here. Never a better time for us to gather and come together and to celebrate than this Christmas season. I hope you'll be back for Christmas Eve and then next Sunday following, we are blaring off the confetti cannons that our Savior has been born. Listen, we can do it. We can do it better. We can do it safer than any casino. Come on, give me a break. We can do it better than strip clubs. We can do it better than big box stores and grocery markets. We are effectively obliging, okay, Governor, but we're going to meet. We're going to meet, and we're not going to cower. We will not live in fear. The church was birthed, and it's meant to remain. You know, this church came about at a very interesting time. It actually came about under the tyranny of a pagan, brutal Roman Empire, surrounded by Greek secularization. It swept Nazi Germany with a 
lasting reformation. It survived world wars. It can make it through a little pandemic. It survived communist China and the Iron Curtain. It flipped the script on the hippie movement into the greatest revival that we have ever seen. It will outlast this virus and into any like minor, minute, little blip on the radar of a limited political hack who thinks he can shut the church down, thinks he's got a little power for a millisecond, is going to wield that power to sort of thwart the church. I'm here on the highest authority this morning to remind you that the church is not only essential, the church is eternal. It is a living organism and the power of evil and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Not now, not next month, not next year, not ever. The church is the bride of Jesus Christ. He loves the church. He cares for his church. He's personally invested in the church. He's intimately concerned about the church. I can't say that about your government. But I can say that about your God. Come on, church. Are you with me? Amen. Leads me to Luke chapter 1. Just one verse. A one-verse sermon. Here it is. Read it with me. Can you see the screens this morning? Can you see them over there? Okay, you might have to turn to your Bible. Here it is. Verse 14. Read it with me. Ready? And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Lord, what a verse. What a verse, Lord. And we commit ourselves to it and pray that we would see it as a word from you spoken into our lives for such a time as this. May we stand up and stand out and be bold and be the light that you've called us to be. Fill us with the joy that we have already sung about today. And yet, in fact, maybe some sang it rather glumly, joy to the world. <laughs> Lord, just fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your joy. You will have joy and gladness and rejoice over this birth and greatest gift. We believe that and declare it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. This is a command. A declared command from Gabriel, the angel. Luke 1, verse 14. It's not only a command, it's a statement of purpose. It should be our purpose. What's your purpose this morning? What are you living for? I just want to speak for a few moments about purpose. We looked at the promise of Emmanuel. That was last weekend. Now the purpose. You're like, I don't care about the purpose. Nothing should matter more than the purpose of Emmanuel in your life. Nothing should be mattering more in your life, Daddy-O. Absolutely nothing. What are you passionate about? What are you living for? Because ultimately that's the point. Your purpose becomes your passion. And he is passionately for you. He's passionately in love with you. You slept. He didn't sleep. And he didn't stop while you slept thinking about you all night long. His purpose is his passion. His love for you. And then in turn, 
our purpose and passion becomes him, to love him back. He loved you first. You, you love him back. This is his purpose for us. And his purpose, his purpose, church, his purpose was a payoff. His purpose was to passionately come and pay your debt. You were in hawk. You were over your head. You were drowning in sin. You had, you had this stacked up debt that you could never get around to remotely beginning to pay off. He came and he paid it off for you. That's what he's done. That's his passion. You're his purpose. You're the apple of his high. You are his love language. He, he, he lives to see you rejoicing over this. It's what he chose to do. He didn't have to do it. He could have looked down at us and said, you made your bed. He could have said, sink in your sin. He didn't. He came to save us. He came to passionately redeem us. He came to ransom us, you see. And, and, and for 400 years here coming up to now the narrative in Luke chapter 1, there has been absolutely nothing spoken or said from heaven. Silence for 400 years. And it is broken with the words of the angel, not once, but multiple times, saying over and over and over again, saying what? Saying what to the world? Saying what to everyone who has an ear to hear? Rejoice. 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 Emmanuel. That's our series. Emmanuel has come to ransom Israel. And so the angel shows up. And in this context, to Zacharias shows up and says, you will rejoice. It's a command. It is like you when you used to go. You remember Disneyland? You remember when it was open? Yeah. You would go and you would pay out the nose to get your family into that park and your grandkids. Man, I'm talking a thousand bucks to get in that place. And then like about mid-afternoon, they'd start melting down. And, and here's you. Here's you knowing what you'd invested. You're like, oh, no, 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 no. You, whether you like it or not, you will have fun. You will rejoice. You know, I don't think it's necessarily with that attitude that the angel comes on Zacharias, but maybe a little bit. Because I think the angel knew what was being invested. Do you know what's being invested? You will rejoice. You will be glad in this. And he doesn't just say it to Zechariah. He doesn't just say it to him, right? He, he, says it to, he says the same thing to Mary. Look, same chapter. Okay, a two-verse sermon. Uh, look at verse 28. And having come in, the angel, same angel, a little bit later on in the story, right? Still the Christmas story. Um, comes in, verse 28. Angel says, rejoice. Same, same heart, same word, same command, same statement of purpose. Same song, second verse. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you, Emmanuel. God with us, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Man, that's a word. Rejoice. Rejoice. I mean, the, 
the, the, the world needs some rejoicing right now. I'm telling you what, if they could just see you living above the level of your circumstances. As Jesus himself did. You know what he says? He says, for the joy set before him. It doesn't mean it was joyful in the moment. It's not always going to be joyful in the moment, is it? It's not always going to be joyful in the moment. And it wasn't for him. He had the cross bearing down on him. But for the joy set before him. Set before him. For what was to come. See, you need to live at that level of knowing what's to come. And when you do, in spite of what the circumstances might be right now, you will be filled, come on, with joy. You'll be rejoicing. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He will rejoice. Rejoice that this has been a payoff. That there is a seat prepared for you at the dining room table in heaven. Your name on it, written in the Lamb's book of life. What honestly, honestly, what could pull you down? What could rob you of this joy? It is the very purpose. It is the very purpose of Emmanuel. And right now I'm telling you what, it's at stake in the sense of this clear agenda to try and turn the lights out. Uh, This probably could go without saying, but it shouldn't because if it goes without saying, we could miss a big point of the Christmas story. So let me go ahead and say what probably doesn't need to be said, that you absolutely, without question, no doubt about it, had different plans for this year. That's very insightful, Sherlock. Yes, we did. We were going to go here. We were going to do that. I was going to go to that school, man. We were going to get married. And all our plans, like screeching halt. Listen, listen. Rest assured, this is how God works. It's how he works. how he works in Abraham's life. It's how he works in Noah's life. It's how he works in Joseph's life. It's how he works in Mary's. It's how he works. No, but I had plans. See, it all comes down to this, whether or not we are willing. Are you listening? Are we willing to surrender our plans for his purpose? He's got a purpose. His ways are not our ways. But his ways are better than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts, but his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Yeah, but I had, I know, I know, I know. So did Abraham. Abraham was set up in the Rancho Santa Fe of Babylon. Can I just tell you, that's what the Ur of the Chaldees was. He was living high. It's a big shot. And God says, um, we're moving, moving out. And Abe's like, I'm in. Where are we going? Uh, not important. Not important. Seriously, it's like that star that the wise men are falling, you know. Like all of you, me included, we want details. And God doesn't give them details. He just gives them a star which points them in the right direction. Right, and here's Zechariah. Zechariah is like going in to make sure there's enough fire on the altar. God lit the altar. It was the priest's job to keep the altar burning. The lot falls to him. It's his turn to go in and make sure the fire is still burning. So he goes in, and they're wondering, is he still alive? He's been in there for quite a long time. They're listening for the bells down there at the train of his robe. They're not hearing anything because this angel appears. Gabriel shows up with a command from God, with a divine 
statement of purpose. You will rejoice. You know what Zacharias says? Do you remember what he says? Mitch told us a couple weeks ago. What's he say? What's he say? What's his old Zacharias? He says, I think I'm going to need another sign. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and that's exactly what Gabriel's like. Another, I, another sign? I'm Gabriel. Here's your sign. You want a sign? How about we shut you up for nine months? Which is exactly what happens to the dude. And he gets to sort of sit and reevaluate his purpose. And when the tongue is finally loosed from the roof of his mouth, he breaks out. Does he not? Guys, man, this is cool. He just sort of breaks out in true, pure rejoicing. And all that God has done and all that he has accomplished. And God says to Abraham, I got plans for you. We're going to like move on. He's like, no, no, no. I'm really set up here. The career's doing great. It's really, same with Noah. Like Noah shows up and, 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 and he's like, I think I heard the Lord, right? He said something about building a boat, but it's been 100 years. Right, you remember? It's been 119 years. Not a single Drop of rain has fallen. I don't know. Maybe I didn't hear him right. Maybe he said feed the goat, not build a boat. I, I don't know. <laughs> CCNRs. People are complaining. I'm not supposed to be doing this in my yard, right? All that's going down. <laughs> Joseph's like, we got wedding plans. And now she's looking to buy a wedding dress in the maternity section. Gals, just for the record. You don't buy your wedding dress in the maternity section. Now Mary's looking for the wedding dress in the maternity section because she's got a baby bump that she didn't expect. And God shows up with plans, with a deeper purpose for Mary's life to be the mother of the Savior of the world if we would be willing. You see this coming out in the Christmas story for all of us, not just for them, us included, to be willing to surrender our plans for 2020. Christmas can't come soon enough this year to surrender our plans for his purpose. Where are you with all that? I don't know. Where are you with all that? Seriously. I mean, in the sense that Blaise Pascal, do you remember this guy? He's a French mathematician. I wish I could say to you what he says in French because it sounds so good in French. Anything you say in French sounds good. But Blaise Pascal, you remember what he said? He said, there is this God-shaped hole in every human heart. That's what he said. Brilliant. Genius. He says, we try and fill that hole. Fairbanks, we, we try and fill that hole. I'm not picking on you. It's Carmel Valley, just as bad. Maybe worse, because they're trying to get to Fairbanks. <laughs> There's this hole. You're trying to fill it with cars and, 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 and careers and and, and, and money and stuff and things, and this year's put the brakes on all of that. And maybe for good reason, because none of that's ever going to fulfill you. It's a God-shaped vacuum and hole that's in your heart. He also said this, Blaise Pascal said this, and I quote, there's enough light for those who desire to see, and enough obscurity for those who have a contrary disposition. Can you believe that? Is that not spot on? You got people in your life that are here, maybe even right now, and if you want to see it, 
it can clearly be seen, Emmanuel, God with us. There is enough light for those who desire to see. And sadly, I know because now I'm talking about some of your family members because they don't care about what you care about and they don't want to see what you see. For those who don't want to see it, there's enough obscurity to keep the whole thing out of arm's reach. You know, those that really hunger, the Bible says, hunger for 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 righteousness, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those, for they shall see God. They will see God. Yeah, 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 right. But those that are too busy for it, and I hurt right along with you because you have kin, folk, family, members who don't care, too busy, haven't thought about Jesus for a second as they've shopped on Amazon. Too busy, too distracted, too uninterested. And they will never for a second sense or note his presence. Doesn't mean he isn't there. He is there. He is there. And in love with your unsaved husband as much as he's in love with you. In love with your ex-wife. In love with your stepson. And we're praying together alongside with you. This is the purpose of the church to pray for God to do his thing and to open their eyes and bring them to that spot of saying, no, 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 you know what I've done? I've switched teams. I've changed purpose. As Mary does, she's like this. She's like, have your way. Have your way with me. Joseph, his plans for God's purpose and now are filled with this miracle of birth, this career hiccup. I mean, the guy totally has a curveball thrown at him when all of a sudden it's not just this birth, but now it's this jaunt to Egypt. And he's like, I'm wondering if anyone needs a carpenter in Egypt. Right, as now they're on the run. And God would use all of that. I know it just seems rather cruel in the moment. But as we step back from the story, we're like not cruel at all. Actually, God's sparing their life and protecting them from the dangers and threat of Herod, wanting to wipe them out. But, you know, in the moment, we can sometimes become so myopic that we miss what his overall grand purposes are for our lives. And here they go off to Egypt, and he's like, but what about the job, the carpenter shop? God's like, we'll get back to that, and he will actually use Believe it or not, this can upset some of you. He will use secular purposes to accomplish his will. He uses a census, a census from Rome. He uses taxes, taxes to bring them closer into his purpose. He he, he causes for them to return to their place of birth, their origin to be registered by the government, some DMV thing. What's in this vaccine, right? All of a sudden, it's like sounding really familiar. And, and to bring them where? To bring them deeper into purpose, into a place of being used for the glory of God. You on page with that today? Because that's where we need to meet. That's where we need to meet together and grow to the glory of his name and the growing up of our kids in teaching them simply through your presence even this morning. The church is not an option. It's who we are. It's what we live for. There is this epic but rather obscure verse in Jeremiah. Okay, a three-verse sermon. 
Jeremiah chapter 49. Look what it says. It's in the Old King James, I think the verse is like three words. It says in Jeremiah 49, verse 8, <laughs> dwell deep. And then specifically written to the inhabitants of Deden. You're like, who in the world is that? Exactly. Exactly the point. And the purpose? Dwell deep. Don't let this holiday just pass you by this year. Of all years, don't let this holiday just pass you by. Be over in less than a week. Don't let it just be a blur. Dwell deep. Deden. Dwell deep deep. Who? Horizon. That's who. Dwell deep. It's a bunch of Arabs, not even Israelites. Dedan was across the Jordan. It was in Edom, a cursed land, revolting, descendants of Esau. Right? Jacob have I loved. Esau have I... Ah! Them. And Dedan living there in the midst of them. Rather obscure, but actually shows up in Ezekiel chapter 38, end times prophecy. Shows up actually more than the likes of us, Americans actually do, right? Wow. And says to them, in a manner of speaking, probably on two different levels, dwell deep. First level, hunker down. Hunker down. But then spiritually, sink your roots into me, God is saying. Sink your roots into me right now. He has given you this year an opportunity to spend alone time with him like no other year in your life. Like I would say, I don't know, like crazy has he given you this open opportunity. Are you taking advantage of that? So that the purposes of your life as a mom, as a wife, as a husband, as a dad, as a family, as a marriage are all now revolving around him instead of him, God forbid, revolving around us. Dwell deep. Dwell deep, Deden. It's a, it's a word of warning for them. It is a command. It is a statement of purpose. And the best that we can find in Scripture, the Dedenites leave Edom and actually dwell in Petra. Some of you have been on this Israel tour with me to the Middle East and we'll cross the Jordan and we'll go down past the Dead Sea to this rock fortress city of Petra where Dedan probably escaped. And here's God saying to you and to me in the midst of all that's happening in our life and in our world, he's saying the exact same thing to us. He's saying, hey, I need for you right now to give me, I'm about to return, I'm preparing my wife, my bride for the marriage supper of the Lamb, I need you, I need you, please don't blow me off. Dwell deep, hunker down, get right with God, make Him your purpose. Dwell in the shelter of the Most High, let Him become your Petra. You know what, when I was a kid, I was always taught, whether in Sunday school or at Awana, I was always taught that the shortest verse in the Bible, do y'all remember this one? Yeah. I was always taught the shortest verse was what? Say it. You were taught the same thing. Do y'all have the same Sunday school teacher, right? Because I'm here to tell you they're wrong. That's not right. 
it's right in English. But the Bible wasn't written in English. So go back to the original language, and you have a shorter verse in the Bible, which I think matters immensely. Because, like, that shouldn't be, like, for some of you, like, hey, 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 grandson, hey, granddaughter, any verses of the Bible that you could recite? Where's the one? The go-to. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. There's a shorter verse that maybe needs to become now our go-to verse. You know what it is? In the Greek language to which the Bible was actually written, far be it for us Americans to think it's all about English. Right, you can take my word for it, okay? I'm a doctor. I got more degrees than a thermometer. There's a verse that is shorter than Jesus wept. You know what it is? Rejoice always. Does that like not flip the script? Instead of this, Jesus wept, which was very momentary, it was temporary, it was him having feelings for the loss of his friend Lazarus. But you know what? He knew he was going to do. He's going to do what? He's going to raise him from the dead. So that ought to be part of that narrative. But even better is a narrative to which now ought to be our go-to that we're to say it. Come on. Rejoice always. always. You will rejoice. I know this and I know that. And if it was based on circumstances, but it's not other than the circumstance of the very fact that God loved you so much that he sent his son into this world to deliver you. Hashtag delivered, church, dwell deep horizon. So that the trial, maybe the trial you're in right now, the trial of 2020, the trial of this year, the trial actually becomes a trail. A trail, a path to a deeper level and understanding of the truth of God's love. God's got this, you guys. You can trust him. Let me wrap up. Here's how. Let me just get real practical with you. This experiencing of the true purpose of Christmas, this plan of Emmanuel is an invitation for all of us to step fully into what God says is possible. It is an invitation for all of us to step into the realm of what God says is possible. Mary's like, I don't think this is possible since I have not known a man, but with God, Mary, with God, invitation for all of us to dwell deep in the reality of what God promises to be possible. I could spend all week on that. I can't. Number two. Number two, rejoice, church. Rejoice, listen to me, listen, rejoice in relinquishing your control. You need to rejoice in that. It shouldn't be like your heel marks dragging in the sand. No! Rejoice in letting go. Let God be God. Rejoice in relinquishing control, Zacharias. Rejoice, Mary. Rejoice, Elizabeth. Rejoice, Noah. Rejoice, Bob. We are so often wanting to be in control. If you wait until it all makes sense, you'll never get there. Let go and let God be God.
Thirdly, I have two left. We're wrapping up. Thirdly, Proverbs 14. I love this verse. Look what it says. Where no oxen are, the manger's clean. What's that mean? It means it's messy. I'm sorry, there's no squeaky clean works of God in the room. It's a mess. But he loves to take our mess and make it his masterpiece. Hallelujah. Some of you are like, no, 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 it's got to be a squeaky clean work of God. No, it won't be. We're a mess. And you can't lose your joy in the mess. You got to know he's with you. You need to know he's, he's, he's for you, church. I love this quote from Jack Gilbert. He said this, and I, and I quote, he said, we must have the stubbornness to accept gladness in the ruthless furnace of this world. For to make injustice the only measure of our attention is to praise the devil. Did you get that? Because there's all these other things that could vie for our attention and get us off course. If we make injustice the only measure of our attention, it is to the praise of the devil. Even if the locomotive of the Lord was to run us down, we should give thanks that the end had a magnitude and admit that there will be music and joy despite everything when it's all said and done. I know it's a mess getting there. Don't lose your joy in the mess. Lastly, Proverbs 27. Band, are you ready? Come on, band. Proverbs 27 says this. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. You got to jot that one down. Look it up later. Underline that one. Proverbs 27, 7. The satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to the hungry, every bitter thing is sweet. What's that saying to you this morning at church? What's God saying to you right now? What's he saying in that verse? Let him speak into your life. Come on, North County. How does that involve you and me into the narrative of this miraculous Christmas story? Here's what it means. The more full you are, the more picky you will become. And if you were starving, that honeycomb would look awesome but you know what i've eaten i'm fine i'm full and i actually loathe the idea of the honeycomb and if you live a life that somehow is convincing you that it's all about here and it's all about now some type of privileged entitlement you will miss the manger every time you will pass by that heap of junk. But if you stay humble, if you stay hungry, if you live for this as your purpose, this, this, the Word of God, Jeremiah says in chapter 15, he says, I found God's Word and I ate them and they were joy. Come on, say joy, church. Joy. They were joy to me and the rejoicing of my heart. You see, this Word of God has become flesh to dwell among us. Merry, merry Christmas. Make it your passion. Make it your purpose. Make this mess that we are living 
an offering given into the master's hand and he will make a masterpiece out of it to the glory of his name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Lord, we receive this word from you today. In faith, we pray that we would dwell deep in the riches and truth of your word. Maybe church, as you're standing in the presence of the Lord this morning, here right now, listen, maybe instead of thinking plague, instead of thinking pandemic, maybe we together could begin thinking purpose. God's, what, what, what's your purpose for me in all this that you are allowing because you're sovereign? What's your purpose? Pull me closer to yourself. Help me trust in you and let go of my selfish deeds. Would you be my Lord? Would you be my Savior? Could you make that your prayer this morning? I don't know if you'll ever be given another opportunity right now publicly to say, Lord Jesus, move in and take over. Be born in me. Be born in me. Maybe instead of thinking chaos, because you easily could. Start thinking cocoon. He's got you in a cocoon right now, and you don't want to go back to being a worm. You want to be transformed into this new creation. Would you let him have his way right now in your life? You need to deliberately make room for him. Don't make the mistake of the innkeeper. Don't pass this by. Say this. Say, Jesus, be born in me. I will rejoice and be glad. Rejoice always. A joy, church, that the world did not give and the world cannot take it away. Claim it as God's gift to you this Christmas and make it the purpose of all that you live for both now and forever in Jesus' name. Come on, amen. Would you sing holy with us? Come on, let's sing together. Thanks for joining the Horizon Church podcast with Pastor Bob. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel. And if this message has blessed you, please share it either directly or on social media. If you live in the San Diego area, we'd love to have you join us at a weekend service. Or to catch our live stream, visit horizon.org live every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next time.